Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Welcome to the Liturgical Lowdown for the month of August. I'm your host, Lisa Cotter, and in this episode, I'll be giving you insights, histories, and ideas on how to celebrate and integrate the liturgical life of the Church into your own life this month. If this is your first time listening in on a liturgical lowdown, scroll back to Season 4, Episode 4, How to Liturgical Living, and give it a listen to get the most out of this episode. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Well, happy almost August to you. Lisa Cotter here for another liturgical lowdown, our second liturgical lowdown in this year-long monthly series, which I've got to admit has been a lot of fun for me to put together. So what we uh, haven't been able to give you lately in weekly episodes with Kevin and I or guests, I am sticking to this commitment here. I'm going to do my very best not to miss a month in the midst of the craziness of this year with a new baby coming, moving, starting a new job, all that. But hey, I enjoy this, so I'm going to make time for it. So here we go. The month of August for you. Here is what is going on this month. So to start, as always, I'm going to talk first about this month's monthly devotion, which is to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And this devotion dates all the way back to St. John Eudes. And he was born in 1601 and died in 1670. And he is considered the father of this devotion to Mary's heart. So what are we looking at here? This Immaculate Heart of Mary. Immaculate because Mary was sinless and the heart of Mary, generally we could say it's looking at her interior life. And there are really two times in the Gospels that we get a glimpse of Mary's heart. The first time is in Luke 2, which is the presentation, when we have Simeon who gives this prophecy that Mary's heart will be pierced with a sword, which is why this image, when you see the image of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, has either one sword going through it or seven swords, which represent the seven sorrows of Mary, which are great to meditate on this month. So the seven sorrows are first the prophecy of Simeon. Um, So first I should probably say, so these sorrows are the times when, you know, Mary's heart broke for, for Jesus, for humanity. So the first one being the prophecy of Simeon, which comes from Luke chapter two, the flight into Egypt where they had to flee because all the babies who were infants were being killed and they had to protect Jesus. So they, the flight into Egypt, which comes from Matthew two. The loss of the child Jesus in the temple, those three days where they couldn't find him, Luke chapter 2. Mary meets Jesus on his way to Calvary, Calvary, Luke 23 and John 19 both do those accounts. The fifth one is the crucifixion and death of Jesus, uh, looking at John 19. Number six, the body of Jesus is taken down from the cross, which we find in Luke 23 and John 19. And then finally, the seventh sorrow of Mary is the burial of Jesus, which can be found in Luke 23, John 19, and Mark 15. Now, after this prophecy, we hear that 
Mary finding out about these sorrows that she'd be enduring coming up, uh, these sorrows, um, you know, I can't imagine what that must have been like to hear, like your son, you know, is born to suffer and you will suffer too, right? So it tells us that Mary keeps all these things in her heart and she ponders over them. And so this Immaculate Heart of Mary looking at this this heart that that pondered, this heart that was contemplative. Now, the second time that we hear about Mary's heart get a look kind of into her interior life comes from the Gospel of John when we see that scene of her at the foot of the cross. So that is something that you can look up as well. Now, both of those glimpses focus more on Mary's sorrow, uh, her sorrow that she contemplated in her heart. But during this month, we are also called to look at even more. I'm just going to give a quote here from the Catholic Encyclopedia. It explains it this way. It says, quote, the faithful must read therein all that the human heart of Mary suggests, Mary's interior life, her joys and sorrows, her virtues and hidden perfections, and above all, her virginal love for her God, her maternal love for her divine son, and her motherly and compassionate love for her sinful and miserable children here below. It's quite the description. Thank you for calling me a sinful, miserable child, Catholic Encyclopedia. I guess there's uh, at the core some truth to that, huh? So I'm going to link uh, to the full excerpt there, um, uh, which comes from New Advent, um, which you can read more about this month of contemplating a Mary's Immaculate Heart. Also, of note, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, isn't there something about Saturdays and Mary and the Immaculate Heart? And yes, there is. There's the Immaculate Heart of Mary and a first Saturday devotion, which is also related to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the first Friday devotions. There's way too much to say on that. So I will also link to a history for that if you are interested in what those two uh, have to do with each other and why there's this first Saturday and first Friday devotion. So some ways to pray this month. Um, well, so on October 31st, 1942, Pope Pius XII actually made a solemn act of consecration of the church in the whole world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And, and I love that when you're a pope, you can do that. You can just say, yeah, I'm just going to consecrate the church in the world to something. And he chose the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So you too can make that act of consecration for yourself personally. I will put a link to that act of consecration in the show notes. Uh, obviously, this is a great month to pray the rosary and to contemplate with Mary, the life of Jesus. And I will also link to a litany to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. A couple of actions you could take this month as you are uh, entering into this with the church. Uh, this would be a great month to put an image of the Immaculate Heart of Mary in your prayer space, on your family altar, in your home. If you don't have one, you can easily just get one online, print it off on a printer, and put it behind a frame. Super simple. Also, this would be a great month to do something special for a grieving mother, for a mother who's maybe recently lost a child, um, it, whether that be through a miscarriage or some kind of a um, tragic act. Just be a great time to do something special for a grieving mother. All right, so the Pope's intention for this month is a universal intention this month, and it is uh, an intention for the treasure of families. He says that any far-reaching decisions of economists and politicians may protect the family as one of the treasures of humanity. What a beautiful intention for this month, praying for 
economists and politicians to be protecting the family. So some actions to take this month would be, first of all, you can write this intention on a chalkboard or a dry erase board or one of those felt board things and place it in your prayer space to remember to be praying for this intention along with the Pope and the church. It's also a great month as you're praying for your politicians to get involved in your local government at some level, especially in areas surrounding family life. And then I'm also going to link to, um, ha, this is awesome. This is in the wrong section. Um, you know what? We're just going to roll with it because life's not perfect and my kids aren't going to last forever upstairs as I'm in the basement. I forgot to pass on to you a uh, link, a couple of links to some things for the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Um, Catholic Inspired has a great lesson and craft that go together for the Immaculate Heart of Mary slash Sacred Heart of Jesus that helps explain the First Friday and First Saturday devotions. So I will link to that. You can check that out. And they also have a perler bead pattern for the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which if you don't know what perler beads are, I'm sorry you were deprived as a child. They're those little bitty round beads that you put on a pegboard and then your mom would iron it with a little sheet over it uh, and um, the beads would melt together and form a pretty picture. So look up perler beads if you have not seen them before and I will link to that Catholic inspired section uh, page so you can print off the pattern and you could do that if you have kids or even if you don't and you just want to like go back to your childhood and play with perler beads. So sorry about that um, misplaced there. Uh, we're going to move on. All right. Feasts for this month. Feasts. We're going to dive into a few of them like always. And then I will list out some other feasts of notes, but also know that I'm not going to list every single feast that happens this month because this would be an hour and a half long podcast and nobody wants that. So here we go. August 6th is the first feast that we're going to look at. It is the transfiguration. It is a feast day. And on this day, we remember the transfiguration of Jesus. I bet you could figure that one out without my telling you. But this account is in three of the four Gospels. It's in all all of the synoptic Gospels, which would be all the Gospels, but John, who kind of does his own thing. And uh, the story happens right after Jesus foretells of his own passion and suffering that's to come. And so what he does, because they're a little deflated by this concept of, wait, this doesn't make sense. You mean you're going to die at the hand of your enemies? I don't get it. How is that, you know, bringing about your kingdom? So Jesus takes his inner circle of Peter, James, and John up to Mount Tabor, and he shows them his glory. He's transfigured before them as a way to strengthen them and remind them, yes, I know this doesn't really make sense um, how your, your savior is going to die, but um, I still have I still am who I say I am. Um, And so he kind of gives him that that strength of that knowledge before he enters into his passion, which is pretty close to forthcoming. Some ways to celebrate. Obviously, you can read the accounts of the Transfiguration. Um, They come from Matthew 17, Mark 9, and Luke 9. Again, just the synoptics, no John. Um, And then praying the fourth luminous mystery, which JP2 gave us uh, really not too long ago, these, this... um, fourth set of mysteries. Uh, He chose the transfiguration as the fourth luminous mystery to meditate over. An activity for today, it's a great day to take a hike up to the top, uh, highest, most point you can get to wherever you live. And 
um, just kind of imagine what that must be like to be up on that mountaintop with our Lord. And some traditional foods for today. On this day in Rome, the Pope at Mass uses new wine or uh, traditionally, he also can press a bunch of grapes, ripe grapes, into the chalice, which I, I'm i having a hard time picturing how this works. Um, maybe he just uses new wine these days, but uh, there's kind of this old standing tradition of this. Um, and it's also the time when raisins are blessed in Rome, uh, as well as in Greek and Russia. They also do these blessings of grapes and other fruit. I could not find why raisins. The only thing I can think of is Jesus was raised into the air and we have raisins, but that seems like there's got to be something deeper going on. So if anybody does know the history behind that, I just, I could not find it anywhere, but that's what they do. So uh, to kind of celebrate along with the church, you could make a treat today with raisins, which kind of sounds like an oxymoron to me because I feel like raisins don't belong in treats. I never put raisins in cookies. That's just wrong. But hey, you might like raisins and that would be a treat for you. So go for it. Today's the day. Next feast is August 11th, the Feast of St. Clair, which is a memorial. And this is our Mary Claire's feast day. So we always celebrate this feast day each year. This is uh, St. Clair of Assisi, who is an Italian and close friends with Francis of Assisi. And she is the one who founded the female branch of the Franciscans. Some ways to celebrate today, you can pray the St. Clair's Litany of the Sacred Wounds. I will link to that. There are a couple of books on St. Clair. There's, well, they're mostly on Clarion Francis, but there's Clarion Francis by Guido Visconti, which is a children's book that's beautifully illustrated. It has like gold, shiny gold throughout the book. And then uh, for a little bit older kids, there's St. Clair Vassisi, Runaway Rich Girl, which just the title should let you know, of course, it's a graphic novel, which is awesome that we have graphic novels on saints these days. And then there is a children's chapter book called Francis and Claire, Saints of Assisi, that you could also get for the Claires in your life. A couple of audios, uh, audio resources for you. Glory Stories has a audio uh drama on St. Clair, and the Augustine Institute uh, recently put out a 10-part audio drama called Brother Francis, the Barefoot Saint of Assisi. So yes, it's on St. Francis, but you're going to hear Claire in there. It's a 10-part series. She's not going to be left out. So if you have um, form.org, I'm pretty sure you can access it there. You can also uh, just buy the DVDs outright. A great little audio drama, especially if a car trip coming up, be a great way to pass the time. And there's movies. Everybody loves St. Francis and St. Clair. St. Clair of Assisi by My Catholic Family uh, is available. And last month I mentioned how those My Catholic Family shows, episodes, I should say, are up on the UK EWTN site. And since then, I don't know if they've taken them down or something because I can't find them, which is really sad. So I will link to the EWTN religious catalog where you can buy that. But if you search online, maybe you'll get lucky and maybe you can find those in, in a place where you can stream them as well. And then finally, there is a movie called Claire and Francis that I will link to. Some non-traditional food that we always eat on this feast day for our Mary Claire. Um, very non-traditional. We eat eclairs because Claire is in the word. It's a French dish. She's from Italy, whatever, a French dessert. It's still fun because they're eclairs. And because St. Claire is the patron saint of media, we usually have a movie night on the feast of St. Claire. Um, and 
pop popcorn and celebrate her feast day with a movie night and celebrate our daughter. So it's a great fun night in the summer. July 14th is St. Maximilian Kolbe, who lived from 1894 to 1941, and this day is a memorial to him. Maximilian Kolbe was a Polish priest who's most known for trading his life for that of a condemned man when they were both in captivity in Auschwitz. He died by lethal injection. I believe the story is that they were going to starve him, but they were just so annoyed with him and his holiness that they ended up doing lethal injection just to to finish it quickly. But what's less known about St. Maximilian Kolbe is his strong devotion to Mary, which led him to establish the Militia of the Immaculata. I believe I'm saying that correctly. Um, He was only 23 years old when he founded this movement. And by his early 30s, he had established an evangelization center near Warsaw that was called the City of the Immaculata, which eventually grew to the home of 650 friars, which was the largest Catholic religious house in the world at the time and perhaps ever, I don't know. So he I mean, he just did some amazing things that I think sometimes we just think of him as, oh, the saint who was in the Holocaust, but previous to his captivity, he did some incredible stuff. Um, so he and his friars, they published uh, catechetical and devotional like pamphlets, kind of like tracks, I guess. And they had a daily newspaper and a monthly magazine, which was in circulation of over 1 million. And so he really reached people through um, the new media of that time. So Tuesday, you can join that militia. Um, You have to be seven years old. Really, that's the only requirement I saw. Um, But I will link to at least the United States uh, mission so you can, um, or community, I guess, you can look into that if you have a strong devotion to Maximilian Kolbe. Some prayers for today. I will link to a novena to Maximilian Kolbe. Uh, Of course, there are great movies about him. St. Maximilian Kolbe uh, in My Catholic Family, they have one. Um, And then there's a movie about him called Life for Life. And then there's also books, um, St. Maximilian Kolbe, Mary's Night, Um, because it was the militia. It was often, you know, a night for Mary. That's a chapter book I'll link to. And for activities for today, if you have kids, anything having to do with crowns, um, two crowns would be something you could do today. There's this story about uh, Mary coming to Maximilian Colby and offering him, I think it was in a dream. She said, you can have a white crown for purity or a red crown for martyrdom. And he famously said, I choose both. I want both. And so there's a lot that you could do with that idea of these two crowns. You could do some kind of a crown craft, a red and white crown craft, or cookies, or cakes in the shape of a crown, or just eat red and white food. There's really endless possibilities there. August 15th is the Assumption, which is a solemnity. So the most important of all the feast days right here, the Assumption. And on this day, we contemplate Mary being assumed into heaven. So it's not an ascension like Jesus. Um, It's an Assumption. Um, sometimes it was also traditionally known as the Dormition, um, because Mary didn't die in the sense that most humans would die. Um, it, this Dormition, this idea of while well, she fell asleep, um, it was taken into heaven. I mean, we don't. Well, the church never said, you know, here's exactly what this means, because it's it's not something that we can exactly say. But what we know is that Mary was sinless, and so the way that she got into heaven couldn't be the way. the way that we did necessarily, and there's no grave for Mary. And so her body was taken up into heaven um, when it was time for her to go to heaven, however that works. So prayers for today. Uh, The fourth glorious mystery is the Assumption. Great day to pray that. And also it's a solemnity, so go to Mass.
that's a good thing to do. Uh, now, customs for this day, it is the oldest, believed to be the oldest, Marian feast day. Um, Christians just always kept vigil on this day, kept memory of this day of when Mary went to heaven. Um, so the customs are just long-standing traditions. I can't even name all of them, but I'm going to name a few. So in Eastern countries, um, women with the the name or a derivative of the name Mary um, traditionally open their house in Our Lady's honor, and they welcome visitors. Um, in Armenia, there's a blessing of grapes. Um, in Poland, in Germanic countries, there's a blessing of herbs. In many parts of Italy, there are statues Um of Mary that are processed through the streets to the cathedral or the church. Uh, one of my favorites in Italy is Siena. Um, in Siena, they have a horse race in Mary's honor called the Palio. They do it twice in the summer. The other one, I believe, is in July sometime. But this one in August, so in honor of the Assumption of Mary. It's a race that's held in their public square. Um, they're like piazza, and it's shaped like a scallop shell. And um, Kevin and I have been here. We actually had dinner um, on the piazza one night. Uh, it's super cool to picture this. So it's this like it's shaped like a shell. And every parish, I think there's like 13 or 14, somewhere in the teens, every parish or ward, as they would also call it, sends a jockey and a horse to race around this square, around this this the scallop-shaped shell. And the place is just packed when they do this. Everybody in the inside and everybody surrounding and everybody looking up from these beautiful ancient buildings, looking down on the race. And so each parish sends their jockey. First they go, uh, traditionally they go to the cathedral door to get a blessing from the bishop. And then they go and they race. And it's, it's just hilarious because you have to picture like not every neighborhood has necessarily a really great horseback rider. So the race, um, I'm going to link to a, uh, a YouTube of the race if you want to see it. And kind of, it's, it's from Rick Steves. He goes and he tells about the tradition and stuff, but it's just funny. Cause like half the horses like won't even get to the starting line and they ride bareback. So it's a little dangerous and crazy, but they, they ride around in honor of Mary. And then the winner gets a trophy, which is a banner of Mary for them to put in their parish. And they go right after the race to the cathedral. So they kind of process from the uh, race and they go to the cathedral to, to get their, their banner of Mary. So super cool tradition. I wish we had more stuff like that in the world. So great. Italians know how to do Catholicism. So some food for today, uh, because so many countries do um, blessings of fruits and herbs on this day, this is a great day to incorporate those into your uh, into your uh, meal plans that day. In the past, we've made a strawberry mint punch on that day for fruit and herbs. Um, you can also just cook with blue and white foods in honor of Mary, something like blueberry muffins, or you could cook with rosemary because Mary rose into the sky. I know, it's kind of bad, but you could still do it. I, we've probably made rosemary bread on that day or something. Some crafts or activities more so for today. This is a great day to do anything that has to do with kind of assuming and floating into the air. So floating lanterns, um, you can make you know those awesome lanterns if you had got them at 4th of July, you could launch some of those today. Um, we have some friends who host a party every year and they do a balloon launch for the assumption every kid gets a blue or white balloon and, and we say a prayer and send them up and it's a fun little tradition. 
August 22nd is our next feast day, which is in tandem with the Assumption. So the Assumption is on August 15th. Then on August 22nd, we have the Queenship of Mary. So Mary gets to heaven, and then apparently heaven needs a week to prepare for her queenship, uh, her coronation, which happens on August 22nd. So exactly one week later. So why is Mary the queen? Well, in biblical times, the queen was not the wife of the king because the king had many wives typically. So the queen was his mother because you can only have one mother and that made it more clear and it stopped the multiple wives from trying to kill each other so they could be the queen. So if you wanted to make a request to the king, you would go to the queen. You would go to his mom, and she was the one who spoke on behalf of the people. And we see an example of this in First Kings chapter 2. We see Solomon. His mom was Bathsheba. So David and Bathsheba had Solomon. So when Solomon became king after David, we see an example of this where people are coming to Bathsheba making requests to take to Solomon. So there's a great little children's book on this called Take It to the Queen that kind of shows um, this queenship of Mary. And um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful children's book. I will link to that. And also, if you want to know more about the queenship of Mary, I'm going to link to two YouTubes, one by Bishop Barron and one by Dr. Scott Hahn, because they are both really smart people and they can tell you more about the queenship of Mary. Prayers for today would be praying the fifth glorious mystery, the coronation, and activities, you know, really you could do anything that has to do with royalty or coronations, crowns, uh, the color purple. I don't know. Just Pinterest it. You could probably find a million and one things. And finally, two more feast days to look at here that are in tandem as well. August 27th, St. Monica and August 28th, St. Augustine. So St. Monica is, of course, the mother of the famous wild child, St. Augustine, who she prayed back into the faith. Actually, the year she died was the year that he um, became Catholic, which is pretty cool. And, um, St. Augustine, you know, he's just, he's famous in so many denominations of the Christian church. Um, they both lived in the three hundreds and Augustine kind of, despite his wayward life, eventually became a bishop and he wrote beautifully about his conversion and his most known work is his confessions. There's a movie, uh, to St. Monica on my Catholic family about St. Monica on my, my Catholic family movie. Um, some prayers that you can pray on this day. Um, actually, sorry, another movie I don't want to forget is Restless Heart, which is about St. Augustine. And if you have a form.org account, you can see that there. It's stream it there. Um, prayers for today would be, um, I'm going to link to some prayers to St. Monica for wayward children. Um, this is a great day to be praying for those who have left the faith, especially for mothers to be praying for their children who have left the faith. And, um, Prayers of St. Augustine. So prayers that St. Augustine himself wrote. I'm going to link a link to there where you can read some and pray some of his actual prayers that he prayed that were written down in his writings. Um, of course, also today would be a great day to read the book, The Confessions. I will link to that. You can get that online for free and read through that. And uh, lastly, just a fun activity to do today would be to look up Ostia, Ant Ostia Antiqua. So Ostia... Uh, Antica, I think is how you say it, is a port town that is outside of Rome that um, Monica, this is where Monica was when she died. She died in Ostia and then Augustine came to retrieve her body and stuck around for a little while. So both Augustine and Monica lived in Ostia. But what's unique about this is that the city was eventually 
just like not destroyed, but it became disease infected and it was abandoned. And then the river changed course. And so everything got covered in silt and mud. And so they, in the last hundred years, rediscovered Ostia and they excavated it. And so everything is preserved. So it's like Pompeii, but not from ash, from mud, it was preserved. And so you can actually go to Ostia and walk on the cobblestones that possibly Monica and Augustine walked on, most likely, with the streets where they walked and the, and the places where they visited. And you can see this ancient Roman town that they lived in. Of course, later, Augustine went to Africa, which is why he's Augustine of Hippo. But um, this was, you know, his his life in Italy. Um, and it's pretty amazing. So you can get online and you can see pictures. We took the kids there when we went to Rome last year and walked those streets together. And it's even better, like it's more well-preserved. I've never been to um, Pompeii, but I've heard that it's better preserved. And I believe it because there's like multiple story buildings that you can go to and the entire like main town square is saved, is preserved and the amphitheater is preserved and it's just incredible. So you can look that up and kind of see where Monica lived as the town was because it wasn't, you know, it, it had been preserved, which is really cool. All right. That is it for the deep dives. Other celebrations of note this month include Alphonsus Liguori, who was a bishop and doctor of the church and founder of the Redemptorists. His memorial is August 1st. On August 4th, we celebrate John Vianney, a memorial to him. He's also known as the Cure of Ours, and he's famous for spending hours upon hours, up to 16 hours a day, hearing confessions. On the 8th is St. Dominic, the memorial to him. He's the founder of the Dominicans. On the 9th is St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, also known as Edith Stein. Uh, That is an optional memorial that day for her. She wrote beautifully on the nature of women. Beautiful, brilliant philosopher, also um, uh, martyred in the Holocaust like uh, Maximin Kolbe. On the 10th is St. Lawrence, which is a feast day. Um, which is pretty rare. You don't have very many feast days for non-apostles, but uh, St. Lawrence, who famously died um, being barbecued, and it's rumored that he said, turn me over, I'm done on this side. We'll never know for sure if he really said that, but that's a cool story. On the 20th is St. Bernard of Clairvaux, not to be confused with St. Bernard of Menthon, who that's who the dog is named after, the St. Bernard dog. But this is Clairvaux, different one. He was an abbot and doctor of the church. That's his memorial on the 20th. On the 21st is St. Pius X, who was our pope from 1903 to 1914. And then we have Rose of Lima on the 23rd. She was the first person born in the Americas, so Lima, Peru, in the Americas to be canonized. And that's an optional memorial that day. 24th is is the Feast of the Apostle St. Bartholomew, and on the 29th is the Passion of St. John the Baptist. So if you're keeping score here on June 24th, we celebrated his birth, his nativity, and now on the 29th we celebrate his death, which was the beheading by Herod, and that is a memorial. All right, that's it. I can't believe that was a half hour again. There's just so much to say. Guys, and I didn't even say half the stuff I could have said, so who knows? Maybe we can do this for two years. We'll have to see. Depends. Let me know if you enjoy these um, and if it's something that you find fruitful in your life. So, of course, we have our how-to challenge. The challenge is to pick two ways to celebrate a feast day, a saint day this month. And if you're super cool, use the hashtag HowToCatholic and if you share it on social media. I would love to see what y'all are up to. 
For all the links and ideas, prayers, resources, books, whatever I shared on the podcast today, you can find them in the show notes at madetomagnify.com. Until next month, be saints. It's worth it.